This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature-regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 272. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we take the sweet date of America and wrap it into the salty bacon that is democracy. Unless you're in Texas, in which case it's like a bacon rack piece of something not awesome, like uh, I, the tree bark. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and today we're going to talk about how Texas is not awesome right now um, and why there's tree bark insta- inside their bacon wrap dates instead of dates. Uh, we'll also talk about how dudes in college are our dwindling feature and we'll dip into a grab bag of issues like the dead ceiling and r kelly and the tonys today i have such a fantastic panel i'm so excited for this panel oh my god um joining us for the 11th time veteran of the show uh we love her so much she's the co-creator of the daily show if that's not a fucking credit i don't know what is in america um she's also the founder of the abortion Access Front, and if that's not a fucking credit, I don't know what is. She is the tireless, the hilarious Liz Winstead. Hey, Liz. Hello. Um, and also joining us on the panel, uh, again, veterans on the show today. We're just lucky. Uh, comedian, creator of Tinder Live, which is a show I'm going to be performing at in New York City this weekend if you're in town. Um, she's author of How to Be Alone, uh, which is a, an hilarious book. Folks, it is Lane Moore. Hey, Lane. Hi, good to be here. 
Oh my god. Before we get into it, I just want to remind listeners that we're on patreon.com slash Farsad. You can join the Patreon. And I just posted uh, this month's essay. I posted an essay every month. This month's essay just went live. Uh, and it is called Fuck You Fall. And it's for those of us who actually dislike the the season of autumn. Yeah, I fucking take, I have that hot take. Uh, and um, anyway, so read all about my many reasons for hating fall <laughs> and join patreon.com um, slash Nagin Farsad. We have many levels of support and you just help the show keep going. Uh, so thank you so much for everyone who already has supported. And for those of you who have written to me um, in support of my my anti-fall position, I really feel uh, I feel the love on this controversial stance I have taken. Let's get into it with topic number one. Men are falling behind in college. By the end of 2021, uh, the academic year in, in June, uh, women made up of made up 59.5% of college students, an all-time high, and men made up only 40.5% of, co- uh, of those students. Colleges and universities had 1.5% Five million fewer students compared with five years ago and men accounted for 71 percent of that decline and if the trend continues two women will earn a college degree for every one man uh lane what's going on <laughs> well the first thing i thought of when i read about that was oh yeah because we ask way more of women and men can do the bare minimum or less than the bare minimum. We don't really care. Um, I imagine, I can't tell you how many men I have heard from who've been like, I have this really high paying job and I literally do nothing. I've never heard that from a woman, a non-binary person. I've never really heard that from queer people. Um, I, I just hear that from cis men just constantly. Um, so that that was my first thought was that like women are like I would like to make a living wage and you know also probably you know of course just just interested in this thing that we did not always have access to we did not always have access right. to education it is increasingly uh something that we have access to which is wonderful um but that was just my gut instinct that it was just women being like I would love to be on par with the average cis man particularly cis white man like it just yeah. And I think, well, it is, it's an interesting point, right? That like, what, so we lived um, for centuries as, you know, from whenever college and universities were invented, we lived in a system where only men went. Yeah. Um, you know, and so now we're kind of going in the other direction where it's, it's now more heavily female and who knows how long this trend will last, whatever. But, but if this trend holds, it'll be something that more women go to. Now, I, I mean, part of me is like, it's so what? Like, we lived in a system where right. mostly men did it for a long time. And if we go in the other direction, who cares? It's not like society crumbled when it was mostly men. Society will, again, not crumble if it's mostly women. Yeah. Um, and then maybe then it's mostly women who take leadership roles or right, whatever. Exactly. Like, again, it's fine. I, 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 sh- I don't see a real problem with that. But uh, but I do think I do think that it shouldn't that it shouldn't be happening because it worries me about what's happening with the dudes. Like Liz, okay. Where do, where do you, where do you fall on this trend? Well, I think it's hard to stay in college and attend proud boy rallies. So I think people were making decisions. <laughs> they have better things to do. Let's just be, you know, there's a lot of extracurriculars that have come up that have dovetailed exactly with how this trend is going. And I find that alarming, but I feel like I think well, both of you, and that's what my concern. Yes, you know, and so I feel like 
I feel like that is right. But I also feel like it only makes sense that as we, over the course of the past 10 years, develop STEM programs and help young young women and, and people be introduced into areas they, of interest that they've been thrown out of, that you're like, oh my God, the thing I really love that no one ever nurtured me to do, I can actually follow that path now. It makes perfect sense that the floodgates are going to be open um, for higher education opportunities for these kind of things that were never available to folks before. And so I feel like it's just um, men seem to need education more than ever because they just seem to be doubling down in, in their own um, rage and anger around, uh, you know, fake censorship on college campuses and cancel culture and all this kind of like odd, this just odd stuff that just feels bizarre to me. And I wonder if part of it is that they're believing the hype of, of these Joe Rogans and these, you know, Dave Rubens and all these people who are saying that college is so terrible and such a liberal wasteland that um, they'll just be emasculated beyond any epic emasculation if they actually attend higher learning. And that's what, yeah, that's what, because I, and I can't find this quote, but there was, we read a piece in the Wall Street Journal, which is basically did, um, put all a lot of these numbers together um and and in the piece someone i think a college administrator someone said there's nothing more scary than a lonely boy um and that that we should be more scared of uh and i think that's right because you know there it seems like there's a there's a, a trend with these men being like attracted by the philosophies of people like joe rogan and, and david i don't even know who david rubin is but I I will look him up. It sounds like maybe not. A, I'm scared. Okay, I'm I'm pretty scared for whoever that is. Um, but just even but even your joke about Proud Boy rallies. I mean, there there is a particular demographic that we're seeing. You know, what's interesting? I think I read another statistic that like there the um working class white men what young white men are lower in number in college and university than working class black and Latino men. Um. Which is interesting because it's like that's also the particular demographic that that ends up kind of being siphoned off into some of these fringe groups uh, who are totally up to no good. Again, folks, before I get any emails, let's just do a quick hashtag not all men just as a blanket. I know that this is not and, and we have a lot of wonderful uh, young men in our lives. Some of us have sons, you know what I mean? And you're doing a great job. This is not about them, but this is about some of them. They're susceptible to some of these ideologies and they're susceptible to these ideologies when they can't, you know, when they're not kind of in a community, you know, for example, a college community that they can see themselves in and function well and, and uh, learn and work well with others. I mean, part of college too is just like meeting people and girls and and going to parties and being social and finding your friends and not slipping through the cracks where you are lonely part of it is literally building your own uh friend family uh so when you're not doing that like where do you go um now lane what do you think about admissions uh, schools 
weighing, you know, basically putting their thumb on the scale for dudes because some of these numbers are crazy. Like, for example, uh, like at Baylor University, the undergraduate student body is 60% female. So the admission, rate, the admission rate for men last year was 7% points higher than for women, which is to say it was easier to get in to Baylor if you were a man. Uh, what do you think of that, of doing that so that the numbers can be evened out? So they're trying to make it easier for men to get things? Yeah. I don't know that we have ever, ever needed that. I don't know that it could be easier. Why are we? Why? Like, I don't, what are we What are we doing? We didn't do that. We didn't do that in the past when it was like, oh, no, this is this entire industry is male. Like, everything is still so male dominated. Like, so much of. Right. And, 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 and the white guys hated that. And so it, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we all, you know, historically, those were the people who were like, how dare you? And those will be the guys who'll be like, well, if you want more women to get booked on comedy festivals, women work harder. Like, shut up. I'm still like, we're still seeing, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison to comedy because it's really apt. You still look at the average comedy club. You still look at the average comedy club. It's like one woman and like 98 dudes and nobody's going, what are we going to do to make it easier for women? to make money doing this thing they've been doing for fucking ever and crushing it at we're not looking at that nobody cares but we care when oh no the boys like no <laughs> okay so here's it okay i uh, in okay in defense of the thumb on the scale okay I, i'll say one thing which is that um when we were trying to even the numbers with uh, underrepresented groups, colleges and universities began creating centers for women, centers for, uh, you know, um, black uh, students, Latino, you know, students of color, so that they can get extra support coming into college as, you know, one of a few person in that whole entire school, right? And those centers kind of supported them and and help, maybe helped them through the process. And I thought that that was valuable what do we think about doing something like that for dudes who may need a little extra push in getting them to even finish because the numbers of graduate just p men graduating versus women graduating is lower. <laughs> no, what? I know, same. I'm like, I, I don't. Mean, honestly, the difference uh -huh. is society has never stopped white cis men from yeah. achieving their dreams and goals they Never. only did it to themselves if they didn't simply like yeah, fill out absolutely. the entire application yeah absolutely. so for them to assimilate and have a center that then in turn doubles down on what makes them feel comfortable this is what's wrong and this is what white supremacy is is yeah. we want to coddle you instead of saying you live in this world now this is a world where a lot of people live. We're sharing space. We're sharing experiences. We're sharing community. It is no longer a monolithic community. So you need to be in this monolithic world and live in it and understand that you don't get cut. Those centers were helping people be able to acclimate because shitty things were happening to them. And they are experiencing things for the first time. And um, having community for the first time in intellectual settings that weren't afforded in life or in any other place. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to no. say, I'm going to point out and another no. little thing that they're doing that I think is going to make you guys mad. 
Um, so at one of these schools, um, I can't remember which one, they did a males and moms campaign, um, basically messaging to the mothers. That Not the fathers, at the di- worth at noting. The di- at the just the moms. <laughs> cool. The moms. We love it. Keep it at going. the dinner table, mom, we need you to talk about getting your high school transcripts in because... Um, because what's part of the thing that's happening is that dudes are, you know, the, the young men are having maybe a hard time getting little the materials in. So completed applications come in much faster from, you know, teenage girls than they do from teenage boys. Uh, that's another. So one of the things that the universities are trying to do is like get the moms more involved in their teenage boys applications so that the actual materials come in so that they're because part of the reason they're not even getting as many applicants is they're just not completing the application because they're too enti- they are entitled yes, exactly. and they have been raised to be entitled college is too late what you need to do is start teaching young boys that you need to work hard and discover your own potential and be excited about stuff because trying to get into school is going to be hard so really like all the shit we were taught We need to start teaching boys that. And part of what teaching boys that does is teach them that there's a lot of really interesting, competent, creative, talented people in this world who don't look like you. And they're all vying for the same position. So how are you going to be great? How are you going to stand out? How are you going to be amazing? So when you fill out that college application... You're gonna excel. Like that is not the time to be doing it. Right. Well, them. I mean, I think, I think. It. Okay, I I can see the panic from uh from universities because I think there's also a thing where people don't want to go to lopsided gender lopsided schools. So the more lopsided it becomes, maybe like the less desirable that school is. I think there's they're panicking from like that that position but as well. But I also think. But I also. Why? Who cares? But that, I also that, we didn't care about that for so long. I just I know, like, I know, I we did, caring. I know, we didn't care. I, but I do. <laughs> it's not changing for me. But I do think like, I, I, and also like I want to clarify too what I was yes. talking about earlier about um in case that wasn't clear to somebody like I feel like probably we all get it but. When I was saying earlier about how many men I know who like do the bare minimum and get paid so much, like it never occurs to them that they have to do more, which I think is what Liz is saying. What we're saying as a right, whole, which is like- It's a cultural problem from birth. From that birth. They, we and need so, to, right. right. So if they can't complete something, if they're sitting there and going, this is too hard, forget it. I don't need this anyway. Everything's still going to be given to me. And men do, the, do know that. I have talked to some of my male friends who are wonderful, but they will still say, the bar is super low for me. So I do as little as possible. Like they will all admit that. And so what I am saying, and I think what Liz is saying is like, if the bar is so low and men are like, forget it, I'm not even going to do this and there'll be no repercussions from me, it is not anyone's responsibility to reach out to those men. It's not. I I think I do worry about the kind of the 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 men that again that are susceptible to fringe ideologies who will then take a minimum wage job instead of going to school and then who will develop you know who will just start getting like angry and frustrated that they can't make enough money or whatever and then they'll start being just like enticed by shitty ideologies I that get are that, dangerous but, but and that's the thing. But if you, that's ever 
there's no responsibility, though. I don't know if that's where you were going to go, Liz, but it's like that's everyone's own responsibility to look at viewpoints that are different from yours. started college, helping somebody with college applications. These people were skating through a lot of shit, showing people opportunity from the get-go. Feminism helps everybody. Um, Intersectionality helps everybody. You know, being in cross-cultural spaces where you are given the opportunity to explore every single thing you think is good about yourself and think about how that can be something that you can do in the, in your world. That's what we need to do. I mean, and that's the whole thing is if you're, if you're only, if, if up until it's time for you to move out of the house, nobody's helped you do any kind of introspection or growth or anything. And you've been allowed to skate on every test up until that point. That's a systemic problem with how we raise white boys. Not yeah. how we should help white boys get into college with their still shitty white boy bringing all that with right. them. We can't force correct that. We can't even, it's not even a matter of, of the mom, which again, <sighs> oh, the fact that we've only made it moms, not parents, just moms, um, helping their kids complete the applications. That's not the, the issue. Exactly. It is systemic of like what they feel they need to do. And similarly, like, you know, when you were saying about how, you know, college is a time to like my friends and things. It's also a time to meet people with different viewpoints if you have not already done that on your own. And again, we don't encourage those boys to do that. I know that was something that was innately interested, interesting to me as an open-minded person who was also, you know, not, not straight and I was not coming from the same perspective as maybe everybody okay, else. Yeah. But you need that. That's also, I think your own responsibility as somebody who hopefully has some sort of empathy is to, and if you don't, to develop empathy and to look at other viewpoints and then you're going to want to go to college and it's not going to matter to you if it's top heavy with women. You're going to be like, women are great. Women are people. Let's just go. Who cares? That's a school, you know? I agree. And I think that's the biggest point. The coddling of your fear and, and lack of curiosity is, I believe, what creates so much of this horrible tension, right? Not understanding, not learning, not appreciating. So to create coddled spaces where um, you get to still be your same shitty self. Yeah. Now here's, and okay, no repercussions. He, I will, we gotta I'm going to sure say there's no one repercussions because they need to say they're same. Like it's... Right, no, I, okay. Uh, I, I, I totally see everything you guys are saying and <laughs> obviously more uh, in that realm but I what one more thing that people are saying um when looking at this data uh is that th- part of the thing that men are seeing is that college degrees are not worth it uh I am someone who think college degrees are really important they're great um and in most cases they're too expensive uh, so we need to actually work on how expensive it is to get a college degree um, and why is that and why don't we do more? And in some states they are doing more and maybe we will be able to do more on a national level. But um, that that's also something that people talk about. Just in closing, um, do either of you have thoughts on people who say, well, this trend speaks to the fact that men are re- realizing that college degrees are not as as useful as they want well that are. that literally speaks to the first point that i that i had posited which is the idea that men are like oh i'm not going to need this anyway because the world is still going to fall below like beneath my feet it still speaks to that like this is not that useful to me this is too expensive and i'm going to be fine either way right there's ways women, i can circumvent yeah. this thing yeah. yes and that's right. absolutely what i was trying to say where it's like men know like oh you know what i don't even think i have to do that anymore because i'm going to be fine either way whereas women people of color queer people who, who 
people who are disadvantaged, you know, in whatever, in economically, no, like, no, I have to really bank on that. That's my best bet. So again, it's like, it speaks to a systemic problem. Okay, folks, let me know what you think of this gender gap. Does it concern you or are you like, it's fine? And do you think we need to help these dudes like get over this whatever hurdle that is happening? Or do you think we should absolutely not coddle them any further? I don't know. I'm so curious um, to hear your thoughts. This is a really, I, I this was a really interesting uh, finding. Uh, all right, folks, we're going to take a quick break and learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, we'll get into it with another topic. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we 
are back and we're ready for topic number two. So there's this really shitty new abortion law in Texas. And like I said, Liz Winstead is known as a decorated comedian. In fact, I've seen her kill in multiple states of this grand union. Uh, she's just an incredible comedian you have to see live. But what you may not totally realize about her is she is equally decorated abortion rights advocate. And so, Liz, can you tell us what is happening in Texas right now? Well, currently, um, the thing that people have heard is all true. And that is the fact that Texas has um, shot its disgusting wad, Oliver, making it um, impossible to access abortion care uh, before six weeks which most people don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. Um, And so to make matters worse, they have deputized America to hunt down Texans who are seeking abortion and to bring about lawsuits if you have tried to seek abortion after six weeks. Um, There's a $10,000 bounty that the person, real or imagined, accessing um, helping someone access any any way they can help, whether that is you've heard the Uber driver, a hotel that might put someone up for the night, uh, your friend who lent you money, anybody can get sued. And that, what I think a lot of people miss on this is 10000 is the minimum. You can sue for as much as you want. So providers are terrified. People don't want to do uh, provide abortions. And then snuck into... Uh, a couple of days after that, which people didn't even realize is that the governor signed into law banning medication abortion after seven weeks. So medication abortion is the only real way that most people have early uh, abortions. And now you can't have an early abortion to terminate your early pregnancy um, that you probably didn't even know you were pregnant. So you're just taking a guess and maybe am I pregnant? Maybe I should have an abortion. I don't know. Um, it's awful. So there have been uh, the clinic suing in full disclosure. I am on the board of that clinic, so I'm immersed. Um, they went to the Supreme Court to say, hey, it seems dubious at best and unconstitutional uh, at worst that you would allow a, a ban on abortion uh, after six weeks because Roe v. Wade gives the constitutional right to 24 weeks of abortion. And uh, B, it seems double creepy that you would allow citizens to intervene in somebody's constitutional right to access care and somebody's constitutional right to provide care because you start messing with people's livelihoods on top of it, right? And the Supreme Court said, oh, it's too confusing. I don't know. (laughs) It's like too much. So we're just going to let them sue them. Let them sue each other. We don't want to deal with it. Yeah, we're just going to let that stay. Who are we? Who are we to get involved? We're only the the people that you come to when things are hard, but it's even too hard for us. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So um, the clinics were like, what? So the Department of Justice is suing under the grounds that it is violating all kinds of laws. And just before I popped on today, the state of Texas, okay, are you guys ready? The state of Texas mm. is suing the Department oh, of God. Justice, oh, saying God. that they're not in violation because what Texas is actually doing is creating commerce outside of the state 
when Texans leave the state to have abortions. So by the DOJ intervening, they're intervening in interstate commerce. What twisted tourism is that? I don't... Like, who's doing that? Like, you know what would be fun? Let's go get an abortion out of state. It'll be great. We'll generate yeah. income in another state. Like, no one's thinking that way. Yeah, it's like way. a spa weekend. Yeah, let's go. Like, they need it. And the economy is really struggling. Let's go get an abortion. Like... Well, so one doctor has fallen on the sword by providing an abortion. Uh, he wrote an op-ed about it. And he was immediately sued by two people who are actually... So one person is an out-of-state dude named Oscar Stilly, who is serving a prison term on house arrest in Arkansas. And he actually said he's not personally opposed to abortion, but feels strongly that, quote, if there's money to be had, it's going to go in Oscar's pocket. Uh, well, he likes to refer to himself in the third person. So that's just a fun feature of Oscar on top of his other fun features as a person. Um, and so that's one of the lawsuits. And then the second lawsuit is from a man named Felipe Gomez of Illinois, who's another disbarred lawyer who, who labels himself actually a pro-choice plaintiff uh, whose complaint asked that SB8 be overturned. So um, these are now uh, the weird cases that are maybe the, the best chance for SBA to be vacated. Um, but who knows? So uh, Liz, like, what's going to happen now? Well, you know, as we talk about Texas, um, we also have to realize that going before the Supreme Court on December 1st, is the Mississippi case, which is Mississippi um, is going to Mississippi. Just that's what's going to happen. So Mississippi brought a 15-week ban, and not once but twice, the most conservative court in the land who hates abortion more than um, all the other abortion haters said, you know what, this is a bridge too far. It's against Roe v. Wade, so we're not going to uphold this. Not once, but twice. Um, and, this, and the state of Mississippi was like, you know what? We don't care. We're going to actually just go to the Supreme Court ourselves and ignore two lower court rulings. And this is unheard of. And the Supreme Court takes cases where precedent is questioned, right? Where there's a disagreement on the lower courts with what's happening in precedent that the Supreme Court has set. But that's not the case here. The lower court ruled with precedent, all should be good, and the Supreme Court said, we don't care about that, we're going to take the case anyway. It's like wild. So on October 2nd, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in this 15-week case, and if the Supreme Court agrees with Mississippi and says, we don't think there's a constitutional right um, to have an abortion um, at 15 weeks. Then Roe v. Wade is overturned. And as we speak, the state of Ohio is joining, trying to join 11 other states in creating a trigger ban. And what that means is if the Supreme Court does indeed uphold this Mississippi law and Roe v. Wade is overturned, it means that 25% of the states in America will automatically make abortion illegal in all cases. So, and if that happens, that will happen as soon as spring of 2022. So we are in a 
crisis. We're in this crisis for many reasons. One, because of assholes who are like, elections don't matter, everybody's the same. Two, because people don't look at abortion as a human rights issue that they want to defend and hold politicians accountable for. And three, the media never, ever covers these things unless they're sensational. And so when stuff happens, we don't know about it. So I'm actually, Abortion Access Front, we're actually on December 2nd, we're launching a weekly YouTube talk show called Feminist Buzzkills Live that's going to cover a weekly all the laws that are coming down the pike, actually interview the activists and the providers and the clinic escorts and the politicians who are working on these laws on states so that and giving calls to action so we can actually keep people involved and informed. Because I know people care, but if you don't know about it, you start caring too late. I mean, we're marching on Saturday for what? What's the call to action? What are we doing? Right. Uh, I mean, Lane, do you, is it like on that issue of whether or not people care when you heard about this news out of Texas, were you like, oh, this is just another bump? Or did you feel the full thrust of like what Liz has been describing to us? Like, this is not, you know, this is an issue that I follow, but it's not an issue that I, that's uh, central to like whatever i mean it's central to me as a woman um but it's it you know so i wonder just like from a civilian standpoint where where did this where did this news land for you i would say that's fairly accurate um because of the reasons that liz stated where where you know what i had heard and interestingly enough they, I, I you know i heard it i think in passing like the way we most of us do which is like on twitter which is just like oh no they've banned abortion well, yeah. and because it has been you know, particularly uh, in so many of our our lifetimes, this like ongoing push and pull of like, oh, it's getting banned. Oh, it's repealed. Oh, it's getting banned. It's repealed. It's this thing that it wears you down, probably on purpose, to make you think that like, oh, it'll get repealed. It'll get repealed. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. Because thank God, there are people who are able to do this, who are able to do this work and able to provide these calls to actions and, and, you know, be able to explain what the hell we do to combat this. And so fortunately, we're usually able to do that, even though it seems insane that we're constantly asked to do that. Um, But yeah, I absolutely, until Liz said that, had no idea that this was that dire. And that's terrifying that these things continuously, it seems, just go under the radar until it's almost too late or is just effectively too late. That's disgusting. And they're and they're looking at laws similar to this, because, you know, in, I think, Florida and, and a couple of other states. Uh, and I think you're I think that is one thing I really want to like just reveal in myself, which is that I didn't realize the extent um, until, you know, we were t- uh, reading about it and talking about it today. And I um. I think you're right that the way that this whole battle has been waged has been designed to lull us into a state of boredom. Because if you believe that women should have these rights, as I do, you're just like, oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, because it seems insane to constantly (laughs) be asking. I know, exactly. And so it's hard to, I think, maintain the verve uh, that Liz um, has, you know, has done for for so many years in this fight which we obviously thank god because yeah. if we didn't have people like liz doing it then what the fuck right so i don't right. know it's really uh I, I guess liz what uh what can people do well i think what people can do is i would just say um 
go to abortion aafront.org that's my thing like the first thing that we're doing is one of the cool things that we do is that we make sure that we redirect when big state things happen to the organizations on the ground where you can be helpful and we help um we help do resets on conversations we introduce people to um the organizations that need to be helped and then we also are, are a hub for learning this information and getting calls to action. You know, it doesn't, it's not helpful to just be Islamophobic and say the Texas Taliban and all this other stuff. Like we really discourage that kind of language. This is Christian extremism at its finest and we need to lay it at the feet of where it's coming from because that is where it's coming from. And so I really kind of feel like there's just a lot of language that we can do. And, you know, honestly, if you don't do anything else, say the word abortion. If you've had an abortion and you feel comfortable talking about it, talk about it because we're never going to win this fight unless we all have conversations that keep abortion and put abortion in its proper place, an option that somebody might need in their reproductive lifetime. And, and it's a moral choice and it's a choice that helps people um, get back on a path of their own self-determination. And we need to, t and we need to, that needs to be where we start because if not, we are stripping humanity away from women and people with uteruses. And I just can't live on that planet. I just can't. And I, I also want to point out that the doctor, um, Dr. Braid, who, who who performed the abortion in Texas and wrote an op-ed about it, who is now being sued, he, he wrote that, you know, it, when he started working at a hospital in 1972, it was the year before Roe v. Wade. And, um, and that year he saw three teenagers die from illegal abortions. Because whether, because the other thing to think about is whether or not you like the idea of an abortion it will happen whether it's legal or not but if it's legal it can be safe and save lives and so one thing that he saw that year was three teenagers died and he talked about some of them in in, in some detail that was just really shocking and horrifying uh and and, it, you know, and he was like, oh, well, I don't I don't want to ever see that happen. It's my duty of care um, for these women to have safe abortions. And so I, I think check check that piece out, too, because it was a really, I think, um, compelling uh, piece about, you know, you can be against abortion, but it doesn't matter because when women are desperate, uh, they're going to pursue it. But, you know, let's make it safe. That's another side of the argument if you don't believe in women's rights or whatever like that's maybe you just don't want them to die unnecessarily but that's like procedures. that's also so insane because the, the first thing i think of when i hear that is i think of hmm and how were those men's lives affected how right. were those men's lives <laughs> yeah. impacted in any way these yeah. women literally died, died. and we yeah. act like yeah. this is some women's thing like oh if i come in you it's up to your body what it does with it like nope actually this is extremely a men's issue and not that you know and i resent having to recenter men in something like this. It, it's ridiculous to have to do that to get certain people to care, but it's like, no, this is everybody. If we're doing this, it's like sex education. It's like we know oh, people are having sex. Liz? What are we doing? Do you know in Texas, right, yeah. can they sue the guy? Can they sue the guy? Of course not. No, they can't. Nagin, let's say you let's say you brought someone to their abortion and you got sued. Or let's yeah. say you brought someone to get birth control. They weren't even having abortion. They decided to sue you um, and you had to spend a bunch of money to get that legal to to clear your name you don't get yeah. compensated for your legal costs you're on the <gasps> hook for the legal costs and so that is part of it that why physicians and like if you just work at the front desk at a clinic and you're making you know 
$15 an hour. You could get sued. You yes, could get sued. That's exactly right. And wow. so there is no. This is an evil. Well, oh and my, the fact yeah. that it is happening at a gross economic crisis, like during a gross economic crisis, is really disgusting on so many levels. And then we just, and because anyone is empowered to sue, we're just hoping that Oscar Stilly from Arkansas isn't going to sue the person who's working at the front test making minimum wage, right? Right. Like, what, that's, at a time with like record unemployment and like everybody needs money and like it's just oh, it's it's too cra- many things. It's crazy. It's crazy, folks. I don't know. Hit me up. How crazy do you feel? Did you know that it was this crazy? Do you feel like this was underreported or maybe like there was a dose of sugar uh, with the reporting? Um, Let me know. Uh, Again, Liz, what's the website? Aafront.org. And, um, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, my God, this is so much information. What am I doing? Like it's we're doing as everyone is marching. On the October 2nd, Abortion Access Front has decided instead of going to a rally and hearing fancy people speak, we are spending all day going from clinic to clinic because the clinic, the people who work at the clinics can't be at the rallies because nobody thought to plan for them to attend because they're escorting patients and they're providing care. So we're going to be going to some of the rallies um, and, and broadcasting all over the country, talking to the abortion funds the providers, patients, and everybody, and getting what they do and how you can help. And then we're compiling this massive data uh, base where you can wa- rewatch the live stream if you want, or just look to see state by state where you can be helpful. So you'll know where to go and where to donate. And that'll be up on our website, aafront.org. But watch the live stream. You're going to learn a lot of stuff. All right, let us move on to topic number three. Okay, so we're going to reach into the grab bag of stuff that's happening in the world this week uh, to pull out the fact that we are doing another one of these fucking debt ceiling things. Now, we record this on a Wednesday. Um, there might be a vote apparently tomorrow about this debt ceiling. Uh, we may avoid a government shutdown. Um, we've talked about government shutdowns like a ton uh we've talked about them on this show a bunch uh and we've been around for five years uh but they've been used as a weapon uh a lot i guess i don't know for how long it's been 10 15 years um liz what do you think about this fucking debt ceiling garbage i mean we've shut down our borders we've shut down access to abortion we're shutting down the government i'm not sure what's open anymore. <laughs> yeah. i feel like nothing's open. is anything open i feel a little bit like confused about what exactly is open um i mean i feel like it takes some like i just feel ga- i'm always feeling gaslit we all are right but to go ahead and vote for things and then spend the money And then when it comes time to pay the bills to say, yeah, we're not gonna. Um, And it just seems so wrong, especially as we all know, like every single time Trump wanted to raise the debt ceiling, Republicans were climbing over themselves to literally put gold bond on his balls before they did it. And so it's like, here we sit with them, with them being like, this isn't about, this is about, we already spent this. Like we already put it on the credit card. You agreed to put it on the credit card. You were there. You voted for it. Yes. And now you don't want to pay for it. It's just disgusting. And I really feel like it's it's it just feels like more gaslighting and more obstruction. And it just shows that, like, 
I'm very tired of people saying the Democrats are infighting within their own party. It's like, I think we need to do a reset. There's, there's no Republican Party anymore. They're just orcs and white walkers. And then the Democratic Party is fighting within themselves because part of the Democratic Party is exactly living to the tenets of the Republican Party of 1984. So that is what we're having. We're having, we're having a crappy discussion between Republicans that call themselves Democrats and actual Democrats. And so the orcs are literally fire breathing their way through the government. And it's a shit show. Uh, I think that's accurate. Um, I, and I also just want to point out the fact that we even have a debt ceiling is the stupidest. I said this like in the last debt ceiling debate. It is the stupidest feature. Like, we don't need it. Like, just write a bill. Get rid of the debt ceiling. It's dumb. It's totally a formality. Like, it was, it used, this used to be, this, this vote used to be just a total formality. Everyone did it. Like, uh, we're raising the debt ceiling. Yay. Yay. Okay, great. We're done. It was so nothing. We've turned it into this political battle. It's really toxic. And the, de- you know, the debt ceiling is not it's it's silly. It's it. We don't need it. Someone write a bill removing it or making it infinite or whatever you need to do. This is dumb. I don't I don't want to live through another one of these conversations. Can we use the branches that we sort of control? Is Kirsten Cinema gonna let us or whatever? They could remove this thing like let us remove it for both parties, both Republicans and Democrats. Please stop. It's dumb. Okay. That's the debt ceiling. Let's move on quickly to R. Kelly. Lane, R. Kelly um, is, was found guilty on all nine charges against him. Uh, one of the questions that just sort of popped up is why did this take so long? How, how is why that even? Why did this take so long? How is that even a question? Because people don't care about black women and women of color. Like, it's just, and women in general. Like, that, 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 that's literally it. That's literally the entire answer. Right, I don't right. feel that there's another answer. I think you nailed it. I, I also think, too, like, it just shows you that, like, how disgusting it, and to the great links that um, people who profit off of garbage humans who are popular will protect their brand at all costs. You know, Cosby didn't take five minutes either. Right. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to people literally saying, well, how many people are going to like lose their jobs and their payroll and their track and all this other shit on top of like, also, um, people don't care about black girls. And black women, you know, young black underage girls. I have seen some hot takes on Twitter that have made me so angry this week that I can't even like, you know, Rick James got 18 months. That should be enough. It's like everybody can just shut up. And also, also, I, uh, I, you know, the one thing that I thought was fascinating I just like, you know, put together a list of what, you know, what what uh, some of these articles were talking about and how this all you know how he managed to orchestrate for decades not getting in trouble over this uh he had like you mentioned he had a lot of enablers who had you know a vested interest in him making money he also managed a lot of settlements so he would there would be something would come up there would be a settlement it would quiet them down there'd be all these right ndas they couldn't talk about it blah 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 then he also managed 
paying a lot of women um, to keep them quiet from cooperating with the authorities. So there's that layer. Then there was another layer of threatening women by posting, saying that he would post nude photos or other embarrassing information about them if they if they went public. So on top of people don't care about, um, you know, black women and girls and they don't care about women in general. Uh, they're also he managed these what seems like a full time job of just trying of using all of these different layers of of you know institutional frameworks to try and like tamp down this thing um as opposed to just fucking don't do it like he could have had so much more free time if he wasn't a a, a disgusting criminal you know what i mean uh, he really should have wrote a song called i believe i can fly under the radar <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey there it is um okay our last piece in the grab bag is that the tonys are back did you feel um a little just a little jazz hand in the air as the uh, the tonys were up on sunday and what is it? What did it mean for you? I was sad I didn't watch it just because I was busy, but I'm really excited about like just theater and things. And I'm hoping it's safe and I'm hoping people are yeah. good. And I just think that like the American theater, but it is so incredibly um, important to this. Live performance is is chicken soup for the soul and and it really just is and so to see these things happening um it makes me feel happy and i feel happy that they were honoring the people who were forgotten for their great work um you know when the pandemic closed down you know they got to have their tonys yeah yeah and i i saw the the performance that mary louise parker won um and uh, it, Mary Louise Parker won for Best Actress, and I happened to have seen that show, and I was I like I just had this feeling of oh my gosh, like how special that I saw that um, in 2019, and then she won, and so deserving, like that was a really terrific, uh, just amazing, amazing performance, um, and I just got this like these chills of the of the experience and going with my friend, it was so nice to invite me, and like just the the feeling we had, like sitting there together just like oh my god engrossed in this wonderful show and then to see the show win and like just was so I, I just had all of those feelings and um and feeling like that was one of the most powerful nights of entertainment that I've had in years was that one experience and I really wish for that experience for everybody who can access it you know so I don't know I was ex- I was really excited Lane how'd you feel yeah, I um so similarly I didn't I didn't get to watch it because I had just come back from touring during a pandemic still. Um where like I I booked the tour being like, We're gonna be fine by fall, I'm gonna do it, yay, forty cities. And then it was like, Oh no. Like as soon as it happened. <laughs> so I was very much sleeping, but on that same note, I was like, I just I think so many of us, like, we wanna perform again. We wanna perform again, the right way. We want to perform again safely. We want everybody to be safe and healthy and for things to be normal and for everyone not to be terrified and for artists to be able to work again and convene with an audience because that's, uh, yeah, it's it's the most powerful exchange. Like where I, I think it's, 
it's so important to remember how important it is on both sides. Like it's so important for performers to be able to perform for people and have that sense of community. But it's so important for the audience to have that sense. It's just this wonderful exchange that happens that's really like nothing else. And the arts is just suffering so much. Like I, I know very firsthand in this country, we need it back. Everybody needs it back. And like I, you know, I've I've been in a million uh, comedy clubs and uh, sit in um, since we've sort of reopened. Um, and I have to say, in New York City, I feel safe at them. I imagine I would also feel safe on Broadway. Um, I do. How do you guys feel? I mean, Lane, you've been performing everywhere. Uh, how does it yeah. feel? I think that was one of the hard that was one of the hardest things is when you're going across the country every city is different and you don't entirely know uh, right. what their city is like. So there were some cities where I would get there and I'd be like, "Wait, everyone here is dying? Literally no one mentioned that to me like before." And it's just like it's just so truly insane and and largely and then you find out like, "Oh, that's cuz nobody here believes this is real." And you're like, "Oh, Jesus Christ." Like it's just it's one of those things where we realize for the millionth time, we are not a United States where everybody's very individualized. Everybody views things very differently. And that's one of the things that's been that's been frustrating. So, you know, there were some cities where I really realized it was very heartening to hear from people who are like, you're my first comedy show in two years. I haven't been outside to any show in two years. And I was like, I felt very honored for that. And, you know, yeah. made it as safe yeah. as I possibly could for those people who felt that way. And it just what it meant to them, what it meant to me was almost heightened because it's not something you can really do anymore. And we've been so lonely. And for me, comedy has always been my primary source of connection. I, I've always been felt that kind of challenging in my life. So that's been my form of connection. And I think that's true for so many people. Yeah. Liz, you're a fucking legend. How do you how do you feel about sh shows reopening? Well, it's I'm I have dates booked um, in San Francisco and Portland and Seattle. And, you know, my audience is people who are going to be vaccinated, people who aren't going right, to come right, if there's right, no right, vaccination right. and masks. But so I'm working at venues and I and I've I canceled a show that the club wouldn't, you know, implement standards show. that I want. Yeah. Um, but it goes to, even though those implementations are in place, are, are, is my audience feeling comfortable coming to a venue yeah. and, and being inside? Right. So, you yeah. know, if I had Jim Brewer's audience, I'd be nailing it because they don't give a shit about anything. Right. It's like, I'm just going to come and breathe anywhere. I'm just going to literally climb into a COVID K-hole and come coded in COVID yeah. <laughs> and just be at the show and not give a fuck, you know? So I'm, I'm excited to go back on stage. I've done a bunch of outdoor shows. I haven't done any shows inside. And so I've had people, um, say, yeah, maybe I'm coming, maybe I'm not coming. Um, you know, I mean, I had my 60th birthday this year and, um, I had people who were going to come and then like, say like, I just don't feel comfortable. And that's literally like 40 of my closest friends who know that every single person there is like walks around self-testing constantly for COVID. Right. right. So like, <laughs> right, right, right. like, so, you know, people, I just, I just worry about people's safety because I don't want people to stay yeah. in a space where they don't know how to find peace um, and comfort to go experience the joy they need. And I and I worry about that for people who are really concerned, as well as, you know, the crackpots who don't care at all. I think that, like, 
I want people to. That was something, yeah. That was was something I heard a lot. And it was like, and I can't, I'm not going to argue with anybody about that. You want everyone to feel safe. Like, absolutely. So that was the weirdest thing, yeah. Well, for what it's worth, folks, uh, if you are coming to New York City, um, I have been to multiple shows and they feel safe i haven't heard of them being at uh, the center of any kind of outbreak or nothing has been traced back to them uh so w- anecdotally and with no scientific backing i will say it's totally cool <laughs> so come uh support the arts um all right folks that is the end of the show um, I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the stuff that you do. You're both so incredible. Lane, where do they do that? Um, you can follow me on at Hello Lane Moore on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all of the things. Um, and then you can find all of my tour dates there or at lanemore.org. And I'm going to be joining Lane on Friday yeah. in New York yeah. City. So if you, this, this show drops on Thursday. If you get this in time, uh, please come to the show on Friday. It'll be a fun time. We're going to be uh, doing Tinder Live with David Cross, uh, who is also a Fake the Nation alum. Uh, so it'll be a really fun time. And Liz is on the show too. And it's great. It's so good. I, full, it is one of the funnest shows to be on, to attend. I cannot stress enough if Tinder Live is in your life, please go to it. It is, I'm just plugging that because it's so much fun and I love it so much. And I love you so much, Lane, and you Nagin too. Um, I am heading the hitting the road um in early November. Uh, so that's fun. And also look for uh Feminist Buzzkills Live premiering. December 2nd streaming on the Abortion Access Front YouTube every Thursday, which is going to be amazing. And we're live streaming the marches and we're going coast to coast. So look for that too. learn more about how you can participate and help. Um, Nagin, you have Lane. We're going to pull you out with us on the road uh, when we start going back say, out again. I want to. Let's do it. I'm yeah, you also get. We'll put yes. your skills. We'll put your skills to work too. Before you know it, you're gardening. You're painting a clinic. You're like, what is happening? Oh my God! I was out with um, Liz and her team in in West Virginia. It was like so wonderful. It was so delightful to meet those people. We did a show. We we um, you know helped out at this clinic. I mean, I I felt like really my my well was filled is that an expression my well was filled just like my my soul my soul well or whatever uh so thank you liz and um please uh go to uh, um abortionaccess.org is that right access front dot aafront.org is the website and and we're uh, we're abortion front on all socials and i'm liz winstead on all socials um. Yeah. So absolutely, follow these extraordinary women. You know where to find me and all of the things. And again, uh, oh, I'm gonna be on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me this week. So uh, check that out. And um, I'm on an I think uh, upcoming episode of Star Talk uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, a fake the nation alum. So check that out. Uh, and um, I uh, would love for you to join us at um, Patreon.com/slash Nagin Farsad, uh, where you can find uh, ways to support the show at every 
level. It's a, it is not an alienating experience uh, to go. Um, okay, but what I would really love to do is thank all of the people that make this show happen. That's, um, first of all, our new producer, Daniel Jones Wesley. Uh, so, hello, Danielle. Um, Danielle is new to Fake the Nation. Uh, she's gonna, she, I've met her. She's so delightful. You're gonna love her work. You've already experienced some of her ideas for the show today. So, uh, Danielle, just uh, starting the show off hot. Uh, thank you so much to our sound engineers, Stephanie Aguilar, and all the wonderful people at HeadGum. Uh, and Mike Comte, who's here recording with us in the HeadGum studios. I'm in studio, folks. Uh, and the theme music is written by Gabby Alter. Uh, please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Uh, and we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.